0: Uh, I feel that w- just while we're going through worship, there, there are people here that have been—you've been struggling, and you've been—you—you—you you, you feel like that's it. Now I'm going to fix my life. That's it. Now I'm going to put things back together. That's it. I'm going to—I'm going to try harder. And we heard a phrase this week that I, it really stood out to me. It takes God to serve God. We try really hard, and we think that's it. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm going to I'm gonna be a better Christian, I'm going to be a better person, I'm going to be a better husband, I'm going to be more patient, I'm going to be kinder, I'm going to be whatever it is. But it takes God to serve God. And when we try on our own strength to fix ourselves, we fail again, and then we get more frustrated, then we get more angry, and everything that we want to try and avoid, we actually embrace. We need to actually embrace God. And I just want to say that something else that was just really stood out to me, two things that are so simple that are going to change our lives. The first one is surrender. We surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the other one is obedience. But even to surrender and even walk in obedience takes God to serve God. We can't do that on our own. So we come back to these spaces. We are equipped. We worship God, walk in obedience. And then we try on our own strength and we fail. And we get to a place where we go, we come back. We get our eyes fixed on Jesus and we hold each other accountable and we support each other and we walk alongside each other and it takes community and it takes devotion and it takes keep coming, uh, us to keep coming back to the space so that we can effectively serve God because we are swimming against the current. The world is flowing in the other direction and it's flowing hard. And we are swimming against the current and it takes, um, it takes us surrendering. It takes us walking in obedience, but that doesn't happen on our own. I just want to pray over us. If you are in this place and you think I'm trying and failing and trying and failing and I'm terrified of the future and I'm terrified of myself and I keep messing up, then we're going to say, Lord Jesus, give us your strength and help us to keep on coming back so that we can keep being strengthened to live this life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that all of us, all of us, myself, everybody in this room, Lord Jesus, from our hearts, We choose to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We don't just include you, Lord Jesus, or give you a Sunday. We surrender our lives to Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that every day we will walk in obedience to you, that we will be submitted to the truth of your word, Lord Jesus, that we will be accountable. But we know, Lord Jesus, that we can't walk in obedience without your grace, without your strength, without your empowering. So I pray, Lord, that all of us will have our eyes open, have the scales removed from our eyes so that we can see clearly that Jesus Christ is exalted, that you are alive. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so we can have the power to walk out the life you've called us to. And I pray for any strategy, Lord, that's coming against us to be broken in Jesus' name. For those that are in this room, Lord Jesus, that are giving up because they've tried everything. I thank you that they die to themselves and let you rule and reign. The only solution to overcome, the only power to overcome is surrender to Jesus Christ. And even that, we need the power from you to do so. I thank you, Jesus, that going forward, this new month, this clean slate, we keep our eyes fixed on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, who's keen to pray again? me charlotte let's pray for charlotte stretch out your hands in faith lord i thank you for the word i thank you for your servant who brings the word i thank you jesus it will be full of life i thank you lord jesus that we will be equipped we'll be strengthened and as we go out from here lord jesus we will shine with the glory with the radiance of jesus christ that we will be the sultan light you've called us to be may charlotte have peace and joy as she delivers your word and i thank you lord your word over her is well done good and faithful servant with you i am well pleased in jesus name we pray Amen.
1: Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone, and morning to those who are joining us online. Are we online yet? We're good. Morning, and uh, welcome to everyone at home and everyone who made it out here on the long weekend. Um, for those who don't know me, not, my name's Charlotte. I am... A mother, a wife, and a school teacher, so I'm pretty much used to being ignored. So feel free this morning, but I promise I'll I'll speak short, okay? It's not a very long message, but I believe it's a really important one. So I'd like to open this morning with a story that you may have heard before in one variation or another. Once upon a time, there was a flood. While most of the people in the town were quick to evacuate, there was one man by the name of Bob who refused to leave. Come with us, Bob, his neighbors called as they drove past. Don't worry, the Lord will save me, he replied as he waved them off. After some time, the waters had risen so high that Bob was forced to climb onto the roof of his house. A man passed by carrying a ladder. He called out to Bob, let me climb up there and help you down and we can get to safety. No, thank you, Bob called back. The Lord will save me. After some hours, the water was now up to the eaves of the roof that Bob was sitting on. At that moment, a group of people came past on a small motorboat. Come over to us, they beckoned. We have room in the boat for one more. Thanks, but I'm okay, Bob replied. The Lord will save me. After trying to persuade him some more, with the waters rising all the time, the boat finally moved off. Within a few minutes, Bob found himself standing on nothing more than a small island of his roof tiles as the water lapped at his toes, and all around him was invisible under an ocean that had not been there a short while before. A sudden roar overhead made him look up in time to see the helicopter as it came into view. The pilot stopped and hovered above what used to have been Bob's house and dropped a rope ladder down from the helicopter door to within a few centimeters of Bob's grasp. Climb up, he shouted to Bob, above the noise of the blades. We haven't got much time, but I'll get you to safety. Bob again waved a refusal. It's all right, he called to the pilot. The Lord will save me. Well, the pilot was not going to stick around, persuading someone who did not want to be rescued, when so many others certainly did. And so he and his helicopter quickly moved off. As I'm sure you've guessed by now, it was not long after that that Bob was swept off the roof of his house, And he found himself standing at the pearly gates. As the Lord welcomed him in, Bob looked at God in confusion. I don't understand, Father, he said. I was so sure that you would save me, and yet I still drowned and found myself here. God smiled at Bob and paused a while before replying. My son, he said, I did come to save you. First I sent your neighbor with the ladder. Then I sent the lifeboat, and lastly I sent the helicopter. I've used that story before. You may have heard it before. I'm sure you have. And we often use it as an illustration in church to speak about how when we're expecting God to operate in this kind of way, we have these expectations of what we think his hand will look like. Very often, there's something that we're missing. And we need to be open to the fact that God can work in and through people in amazing ways. And so if you're looking for provision in your life, we use that story to say, well, look at what God is providing you and recognize it for what it is. But this morning, I want to take a slightly different spin on that story, if that's okay with you, and use a little bit of poetic license, Um, because in as much as Bob was looking for God's provision in that story, I want to look at the provision that God provided through the people that he used. And I want to, to turn the story slightly around this morning and to challenge us to say, sometimes we are looking for beacons of hope when actually we are the beacons of hope that God is providing the world. And so this morning's, title isn't, uh, this morning's title of the message is Ladders, Lifeboats, and Lighthouses. And um, I'd like to, it kind of evolved on its own. So you'll see it's, it's kind of not so much the ladders anymore and the lifeboats as it is the lighthouses while I was preparing this. And it's a very simple message, but I, I hope that it will speak to you um, in the way that it's been speaking to me. For those who may recently have missed it, we have just been through a big flood. Anyone not aware of that? Anyone didn't know? All right. Um, And it was literally, I think, in the last, I don't know, I think even the 1987 floods, which were, how long ago is 1987? 30 30 something years ago. All right. Like, I saw this thing, like, remember when the 1980s was like 10 years ago? It's not anymore. It's nearly 40. But in the 1987 floods, I don't even think we had the level of devastation that we've had in these floods. These are record breaking devastation levels. All right. And I don't know about you guys, but a lot of my topics of conversation around the bra and around the table these days has been, can you believe what we have been through in the last two years? Has anyone had a conversation like that with someone? For anyone who may have missed it, we have in the last two and a bit years, we have had COVID sweep the nation. Uh, and the world, in fact. We've had COVID. So we have endured lockdown after lockdown. You can go to the shops. You can't go to the shops. You can buy this. You can't buy this. Stay inside. Now you can go outside. You can't exercise. Now you can exercise. And it's tumultuous just in and of itself. So we've endured COVID and wave upon wave of COVID coming. Then last year in our province, in our very province, in our home, we had unrest. And looting and riots and all sorts of fear that for a short space of time took a grip on the people of KZN And now we have again the people of KZN we have endured this this devastating flood I mean whoever would have thought I think was Raymond saying this morning about how we take for granted when we open a tap and the water comes out And all of a sudden something that we took for granted just Becomes so valuable. I don't know about you, but my standards of what I would bath in dropped greatly I don't care if it was wet I would use it eventually. You know, I was one of those, I shall not drink tap water. Now, I don't care if there's mud in it, we'll just filter it out. You know, You begin to realize it does give you a whole level of appreciation. And in all of this, in these two and a bit years that we've had, what some people, I mean, it's enough drama for a lifetime, crammed into two and a bit years, right? I don't know about you, but in the midst of all of that, I've also seen the very best of humanity. Can anyone agree with that? We have had some devastating times that come against us, and yet in the midst of that, there are these pillars that start to emerge within our community, people who come together, people who, who ordinarily might take a step back from the crowd, that step forward, neighbors helping neighbors, strangers helping strangers, and in the midst of those dark times, we have seen some greatness shine among us. And that's what I want to speak about this morning, because if ever our nation, if ever our province, if ever our town, needed to see God's church shining out of the darkness, it's in the times that we're currently living in. If the last two and a half years have not taught us anything, or have taught us anything, they've taught us not to expect the normal, because we never know what life's going to throw at us. And I want us to recognize this morning that in the midst of those dark times, we, the people sitting here, God's church, are the unexpected ways that God will reach out and help the community you and I are part of God's solution for his, for his nations, for his people. Jesus tells Bob's story, the story of Bob. I don't know if the guy's name really was Bob. I added it into that story because I didn't know what to call him. Um, but Jesus tells Bob's story in a slightly different way in Scripture. So if you've got your Bibles, won't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. And he says this. I'm reading from the NIV version here. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The idea of lightness and dark are prominent themes throughout Scripture. In fact, they're prominent themes throughout South Africa from time to time. Hey, I mean, what is it to live in the darkness? We know thanks to ESCOM. Yes? So, so we have this, this understanding of what the, what light and what dark is. And over and over and over again in scripture, there are countless scriptures. I think I stopped when I was Googling and there were 179 scriptures referring light. Okay. So that, that the Bible speaks about God as being the light in a dark, and sinful world and it's a very powerful image particularly for someone you may not be well versed in scripture but you certainly understand the concept of light our um, our eyes are the organs that are designed to see light in our body Oh, do we have anyone who's like an optometrist or an ophthalmologist or any eye specialists among us great no one to stand up and shout at me if i get this this wrong okay again it was google so i'm pretty sure it's accurate because google doesn't lie um but i was i was reading about just how sensitive the human eye is to light and the human eye i remember reading um about the second world war it was either the first or the second world war the soldiers at night were not allowed to smoke cigarettes in their trenches because the glow you know that red glow from the end of a cigarette that glow could be seen from the enemy side and it would give away their position and could put them in in, in great danger and i was like is it really true you know so i was googling and apparently our eyes which are made up of photoreceptors so our eyes work all on light. The whole point of being able to see is because there's light around us. And light doesn't just illuminate things. It also gives color to things around us. Did you know that? Do you remember that from high school where the different colors, the light bounces off and that's why we can see the way we see. So it's not just a black and white world that God's given us. It's this beautiful technicolor gift that he's given us when he's given us the gift of vision. And we have got in our eyes these photoreceptors that are super sensitive to light. There's rods and there's cones and I don't know what else. But there are 180 million of them per hour that can detect light. Has anyone here ever been in darkness before? Like, no, no, I don't mean like ESCOM turned the lights off and you had to, like, adjust your eyes. I mean, like, total pitch black darkness. Anyone? I have, um, I remember being on a school tour once where they thought it was a good idea to see if we would be good leaders by putting us in what they called the snake pit. Did anyone, anyone ever do something like that at school? And so basically the snake pit is this underground maze that they've dug. It's a maze of tunnels. And there's only one way in and one way out, but there's a lot of wrong turns and dead ends. And then they cover it up with soil, and they cover it up with... um, So it's, it's like a solid roof above you, so it's pitch black inside. And it's only got crawling room to be on your belly and your elbows while you crawl. And then they send you all down there as grade 11s. They send you down there one after the other. So you've literally got feet here and somebody's face by your feet. And you're crawling on your belly, hoping that somebody will find their way out in the dark. And I can remember being in the snake pit. And we didn't have cell phones back then. And we didn't have, I mean, even if we did, we wouldn't be allowed them in the pit. And I can remember being in this pitch black where it was so dark that it looked white. Does that make sense to people? Where you kind of think, oh, there's a wall here. Oh, no, there's not. It was that kind of dark. And it was frightening at the time I mean, if you were claustrophobic, that was not the exercise for you And in fact, I might have come out of there slightly claustrophobic afterwards It was dark There was this pitch blackness around us That almost felt like there was a presence closing in Anyone ever feel like that? Like there's this darkness in the world around us And it's got this weight And it's pressing in on us And it's pressing and it's pressing all the while The human eye is so sensitive that it can see a single candle flame from 2.5 kilometers away. 2.5, and that's just the minimum. Some of the studies said it could go up to 30 miles. That's almost 60 kilometers, just shy of 60. That your eye can detect one single flame of light. Our eyes crave the light of God the human body, the human design, the human spirit has been designed to seek out the light the same way that our eyes have been designed to seek out the physical light around us. And that's an amazing thing to recognize. I've got a picture of a lighthouse here. We all know what lighthouses are. We know what they do. We know that they are beacons of light in a physical world. But in a spiritual world, light represents so much more for us. It represents hope. It represents security. Anyone here ever grow up afraid of the dark? I've got some I've got I've got some children. I've got two children and both of them like the light on when they're falling asleep at night. I fell asleep last night just to prepare for this message, it's gonna sound weird. I lit a candle and tried to make it as dark as I possibly could. And then I lit my I lit the candle, and the darker I could make it, the brighter the candle would shine. Everything okay? All right, good. Okay, so I want to read that verse from Matthew again. I promise it's not a long message this morning. And I want to read it, and this is what it says. You are the light of the world. You. Jesus was talking to his followers. He was talking to his church. He said a town built on a hill cannot be hidden any more than if we were to able to somehow make this room completely bla- uh, pitch black and I could light a candle flame here, I would not be able to hide it from anyone's eyes. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that it can give light to everyone in the room. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. A candle can shout out to everyone that it's a candle. It can be like, look at me, I'm a candle. I can light and then a lighthouse can do the same. A lighthouse can, can we put that picture of the lighthouse back up quickly? A lighthouse can stand there going, I'm a lighthouse, look at me. I'm a lighthouse, I've got this beautiful design, beautiful colors. I'm a grand lighthouse, everyone. But if no one ever lights the candle, and no one ever lights the lighthouse, they're useless. You see, sometimes I think that we get so caught up in that phrase that says, let your light shine, where we think it means make your own light shine. Shine it out, and it becomes a heavy for us. We're like, well, God, I'm a Christian, which means I have to do this. I have to shine now. Has anyone ever felt a bit like that? You don't have to put your hands up. Where you kind of feel like, Ugh, I've got to do this because this is what I profess to be. This is who the Bible says I must be and so I shall be it. And we try our hardest to make our own light shine and we can get really good at that. We might even glow a little bit from time to time in our own power. We're like, look at me, I can do this. But if we're constantly trying to do it in our own strength, and our own power, we're never truly allowing the lighthouse keeper or the, the person who strikes the match to light our flame. We're never truly allowing the source of our light to actually light us. Is this making sense? So basically what I'm saying this morning is you are the candles you are the lighthouses but it's not your light that shines out it needs to be lit from an outside source which is pretty much what I think Tim was saying this morning when he was speaking just before I got up we try our best we become the best looking candles we can we become the best looking lighthouses we can but if we never tap into the source of that light it becomes a futile attempt and we don't serve any real purpose It shouldn't be a heavy. It shouldn't be a burden on us to try to shine our light. Because when we are lit, that's what we do. It's not up to us to light ourselves. It's up to us to position ourselves and make ourselves available that God can light that flame. John 8 verse 12, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But we'll have the light of life. It's as simple as that. We want our lights to shine. We sing that Sunday school song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. Not I'm going to make it shine and try my best and get grumpy from time to time and go like, this is too much. I'm going to put this down. No, we're going to follow God because he is light. And because we're following in his light, we're following Christ's footsteps. He's the light of life. He gives us that light. He gives us his flame. And in situations where things are so dark around us, his church shines. Not because they're going out of their way to shine, but because that's what we do. And are we shining in the light times? Absolutely we are. 1 John 1, verse 5 to 7 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Do you know how you, I was, I was listening to some scientific conversation one day about how do you measure darkness? You don't. You measure the amount of light in the room. You understand? Sort of like how do you measure cold? You don't, you measure how much heat there is. Does that make sense? The Bible says that in God there is no darkness whatsoever. There's no heavy, there's no burden, there's no oppression, there's no sin, there's none of the bad stuff that's in our world that closes in around us and seems to make it pitch black. In God, there is none of that. He can't have that because he is the flame. He is the eternal light of life. The moment you strike a candle, the moment you light a lighthouse, the darkness disappears. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I think the thing that makes Christianity so difficult for some people is how simple it really is. We had a a leadership meeting with Bruce McAlpine about a month ago, and he said a lot of things, a lot of really awesome things. But there was one thing he said that really stuck with me and that really struck a chord. And he said this No good deed that you and I have ever done, no good thing, is enough to keep us in the presence of God. And no good thing, or sorry, no, no bad thing that we have ever done, no sin, is enough to keep us out of God's presence. You see, because just like with the lights, with the flames, it's not through our strength. It's God's light shining through us. It's not because of what we have done. In 1 John 1, it says it's the blood of Jesus that purifies us from sins. So the thing that's making us light of the world is not our own strength, our own power, and our own glory. It's God's light shining through us, not because we're really good, And not because we were really bad, but because Jesus has stepped in as light of the world, and he has called his church to shine. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, because they trust in you. In these darkest times around us, where some people still don't have water, or some people are still battling with electricity, Or there's that fear over, what comes next, Lord? How much more could we possibly endure? In the midst of that, we need to keep our minds steadfast on Christ. We need to keep focusing on Him. We need to keep following Him. And when we do, as His church, we will naturally start to shine. Not through our own strength, not through our own power, not by our own will, but because God puts that light inside us. And then he doesn't hide us. He doesn't call us to to hide ourselves away. He says, shine. Let my light shine. That the world will see your deeds, not for your glory, but for the glory of God in heaven. I'm going to close off with reading Matthew chapter 5 again. But this time I'm going to read a slightly more relaxed version. I'm going to read it from the message, which puts it in such a, a practical way. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to put you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Do I need to say more? (laughs) Can we pray together? Challenge this morning. I'm not going to say go out there and shine, because you can't do that in your own strength. I'm going to say go and follow God, go to the source of the light. Make yourself available for him to light that candle. Make yourself available for him to plug in, I don't know how lighthouses work, plug in the the switch, I don't know. Make yourself available that God's light will shine through you, because that's who you were designed to be. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we come before you humbly, Lord, and we just thank you that as your church, you've given us a calling. Father, as your people, you have asked us and instructed us to be the light stands. Father, may we make ourselves available. May we make ourselves ready, Father. May we seek after you. May we follow in your footsteps, as your word is said. May we follow Jesus, who is the light of life. And as that flame in us comes alive, Lord, as your life flows through us, may your light shine out through us, Father, that the world may not give us a pat on the back. The world may not give us the glory, Father. But that all glory, all lights, all hope, all shining, Father, will point to your kingdom and yours alone. May your church know your truth, Lord. Father, may your truth make us free. And Father, may we be vessels that are used to carry your light to the nations. In Jesus' name, amen.